right, good morning. Good to see everyone. Oh, thank you. All right. So I want to thank uh, Denise and Herb and Amanda and Sean Jr. and uh, Levi for lighting the candles this morning. Today, uh, while we lit hope, peace, joy, and the fourth candle today is love. So can you imagine what the message is about today? Love, yes. Awesome. You guys are like amazing. So, so Christmas Day is almost here. Yay. All right. Very good. What? Praise the Lord. Amen. Tom, you're awesome. Oh, by the way, Tom asked me to do something, so I'm going to do it right now. I want to pray for his friend Joe. Uh, we've been praying for him for quite a while. So, Lord, we lift up uh, Tom's friend Joe, and uh, Lord, we pray that uh, you'd restore him to health, that he'd be able to talk again, he'd be able to walk again after the stroke he had many months ago, and uh, would you just bring healing, healing to his body, and Lord, I thank you for Tom's faithfulness in prayer for his friend, and we pray you just bless Tom today, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, all right, so uh, yeah, Christmas Day is almost here, Christmas! The celebration of the birth of Jesus. You know, and I imagine everybody in this room probably knows that. But one time we were, uh, Tara and I, we were at uh, Minor High at the after school club. And um, we were talking about Christmas. Mary and Joseph and the baby and the manger and the angels and all those things. And one of the students just kept, kept asking question after question after question. And, and we were happy to answer all our questions. And finally she said, I'm sorry I'm asking so many questions. I've never heard this before. And it was like, how does that happen? How does a, a student in mentor high school, I think she was a 10th grader at the time, never had heard about Mary and Joseph and Jesus and and um, the whole the whole Christmas story. So... So Christmas is the celebration of the birth of Jesus. It's the celebration of the day Jesus, God the Son, entered into the human experience to show us how much he loves us. Christmas is the day that Jesus began his journey of love from that manger to the cross to give us the gift of life. Christmas is the day that God said to humanity, I love you now so we'll find out today as we talk the theme of the message is this love brings life jesus love brings life love brings life now i'm not the sharpest tack in the box but i've noticed something maybe you've noticed it too have you noticed that during Christmas, the messiness of our lives does not disappear or take a vacation. If I take that as a hearty amen, you've noticed it too. Maybe I'm a little sharper than I thought. Last Christmas season was a very messy Christmas for many of us in this church family. For me... Uh, my wife, Betsy, she was undergoing chemotherapy. 
I was going through a very bad uh, relational and leadership dilemma. And two of our dear brothers in the Lord uh, left us, were taken from us suddenly. Both thankfully going to be with Jesus, but nonetheless suddenly away from us. So the Christmas season we talk about, we emphasize hope and peace and joy and love. But what you might be experiencing this year could be something completely different. One 24-year-old young lady said this about the Christmas season. She said, every year there's extra pressure to be happy, to have love surround you. And for me, it feels the loneliest because of this. The media creates this perfect vision of a family Christmas. And I think sometimes, too, we can do that in the church as well. I added that. She didn't say that. So the media creates this perfect vision of a family Christmas, and it's an ideal that has hung over me and made me very miserable. My depression and anxiety always gets worse in December. Think about our friends from the ark. Bill and Doug, Stevie and Jared. On Thursday, just this past Thursday, their house burned down. And they lost pretty much everything. Imagine that. You're eating breakfast and you smell smoke. And 20 minutes later, everything in your home and your home is gone. One well-known communicator on the radio, and he's not a Christian, Uh, He was discussing this week on the radio the loneliness people experience during Christmas. And he offered this advice to people who are lonely and disconnected and want people in their lives. And you know what he said? He said, go get connected to a church. That was his advice. He said, they will welcome you, invite you into their groups, treat you with loving kindness, and encourage you to be happy. He said, even if you don't believe what they believe, they will welcome you and love you anyway. And I thought, that is good advice, because that's exactly what happened in this church family. His answer to the messiness of life is to go through it with people who will show you God's love. That's awesome advice. But we have to be honest, the church is messy too. A local church is a group of flawed people who place their trust in Jesus and they experience life together. They experience conversion and confession and repentance and reconciliation, forgiveness and sanctification together. They also experience brokenness, grief, loss, sickness and death together. The church is messy and inefficient, but it's God's wonderful mess. In the context of the church, God transforms hearts and lives, and he teaches people how to love others. So the church is messy. This church is messy. We have messy lives, and we need help. And on that first Christmas day, Jesus, God the Son, began his journey of love that would bring life into our messy lives. 
So our lives are messy, but Jesus' love brings life to those messy lives. Love brings life. In the letter 1 John, written by, guess who? John, the apostle, one of Jesus' closest disciples, he wrote about this (coughs) biblical principle. uh, Love brings life. He wrote about it, and this is what he wrote. 1 John chapter 4 verse 7 through 13. So let me read those verses. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Were you counting? The word love, loved, or be loved appears in this passage 15 times. Do you think John is trying to tell us something about God's love? Yes. Yes, absolutely he is. Whoa, come back here. So first John tells us this, that God is love. God's very nature, all his actions wrap all that up into a, a nice wrapped gift and it's the gift of love his actions and his love reflect or his actions and his nature reflect what love is how many of you if you're married uh uh, at your wedding uh the scripture first corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 through 8 was read anyone a few of you yeah it's pretty common so this is what it says it's a great summary definition of what love is Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And if you replace the word love with the word God, that's a great summary definition of the character of God. Not fully complete, but a great summary definition of course the greatest expression of god's love is communicated to us in john chapter 3 verse 16 and once in a while if you're watching a football game in the end zone you'll see a man or a woman or a group of people holding a banner that looks like that right have you ever seen that on tv before i was a christian i'm like what does that mean jn3 colon one six what does that mean is that like the play they should You should have done this play. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Can you imagine what kind of love a father must have to send his son to pay the penalty for someone else's sin? Not only does John tell us that God is love, but he also tells us In this passage, if we are to understand what love is, 
we need to know God. If we know God, we will understand what true love is. Maybe this is why so many people are trapped in dysfunctional and broken relationships. Because we don't know what true love is because we don't know who God is. Oftentimes people think true love is, sounds like this. Tell me if I'm right. When someone can read our minds and know exactly what we need, and then they take care of all those needs, and they make us feel good while they're taking care of all those good me- need, uh, all those needs, and they always agree with us. That is true love, isn't it? No, that's not true love at all. That is not true love. The Bible tells us all about true love. Here's a verse in the Bible that talks about true love. Proverbs 27, verse 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You're thinking, wounds from a friend? All right, you get to study that verse this week. What does that mean? What it means is true love makes us better, but not necessarily more comfortable. There's an old country song. I'm not a country music guy, but somehow this song got in my head, maybe just for such a time as this. Uh, It's called Looking for Love, and the chorus says this, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Oh, you guys know this song. (laughs) Now it'll be stuck in your head. Looking for love in too many faces, searching their eyes and looking for traces of what I'm dreaming of. See, we make love about ourselves, what I'm dreaming of. True love, God love, is something completely different. True love brings life to others. God is love, and we will know love when we know God. John also tells us that love is from God. In verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is... From God. Now I know we've entered into the grip of winter in Northeast Ohio. We're two days into winter. Two whole days. So you probably don't want to hear about winter. So let me talk about spring. Would that be okay? Talk about spring. All right, so every spring something miraculous happens in our garden, in our front garden. And it probably happens maybe in some of your front gardens too or back gardens or side gardens, whatever. Um, and there's nothing there, and then all of a sudden, out of the ground comes life. See, the bulbs and the roots underneath the surface are alive, though you can't see it. But those bulbs and those roots, they push out of the ground um, leaves and flowers, and there's new life, and it's beautiful. And we look at our garden and go, oh, it's so beautiful. And I didn't have to do anything. That's the best part about my garden. Well, it's really Becky's garden. I never do anything in our garden. But Jesus has... (laughs) (laughs) Jesus kind of paints a picture like that of the bulbs and the the roots and new life. And he says this in in, um, John chapter 15. Verse 5, 
talks about how love brings life. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So when we abide in Jesus, his love comes to us. And what? We bear fruit. We bear life. His love, the love of God is from God. It comes to us and we bear life. We grow and bring life to the world. See, that's the way people should see us. Like we see our gardens. When people look at us, they should see the love of God in us. They should go, oh, that is so beautiful. I want some of what they have. Life. Love brings life. Love, the love of God comes from God. Love comes from God. Love is from God. So God is love and love comes from God and his love brings life. Finally, John tells us that God loves us. God loves us. Verse 10, in love. So this is what love is, John is saying. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Have you ever used the word propitiation ever other than in Bible study? Right. So what does it mean? What is this word propitiation? So after you learn, it'd be cool. Use it at work sometime. Boss, I'll be the propitiation for... Uh, never mind. Okay. So God the Father demonstrates his love for us by sending his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Christmas is the celebration of the sending of the son. Good Friday is the celebration of Jesus being the propitiation for our sins. As the propitiation for our sins, Jesus satisfied the penalty for our sins. That's what propitiation means. He satisfied something. He satisfied the penalty for our sins. His sacrifice on the cross paid for our sins. This is the propitiation, the satisfaction of the penalty for our sins. And so, this is how much God loves us. God the Father sends God the Son to die for the sins of people who are at war against him. Remember last week, if you were here, we talked about how our war crimes, our sin, our war crimes against God. We started the war against God, but God finished the war on the cross. Imagine someone committing a horrific crime against your family and they receive the death sentence. What would you do? Would you forgive them? Hopefully you would forgive them. But would you take their place in the executioner's chair so that they could have a second chance in life? I'm not sure any of us could do that or would do that. But this is exactly what Jesus did for us as the propitiation for our sins. While we were still sinners, Jesus' love for us led him to the cross where he died so we could have a second chance at life. Love brings life. So how do we respond? How do you respond to a love like that? Well, John tells us that God the Father 
revealed his love for us by sending Jesus into the world so that we might live through him. So that we might live through him. Verse verse 9, in this, the love of God was made manifest, in other words, was revealed to us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In 2012, I heard a national political figure describe the American dream in a speech, and this is what he said. He said, if you're willing to put in the work, the idea is that you should be able to raise a family and own a home, not go bankrupt because you got sick, because you've got some health insurance that helps you deal with those difficult times, that you can send your kids to college, that you can put some money away for retirement. That's all most folks want. Folks don't have unrealistic ambitions. They do believe that if they work hard, they should be able to achieve that small measure of an American dream. Is that true? That life is about realistic expectations and a small measure and achieving a small measure of the American dream? Is that true? God wants us to have unrealistic expectations. He wants us to change the world. He wants to take us on a great adventure. He wants us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to live through him and not for ourselves in our own strength. Can I say something? Jesus did not die so that we could have realistic expectations and achieve a a small measure of the American dream. He wants us to abide in him and bear what? Bear much fruit. He wants us to change the world one person at a time. A great adventure, whether it's here or our missionaries in Peru or in China or around the world where you live, where you go to school. He, wants, he doesn't want us to have realistic expectations. Because you know what realistic expectations are? What can I do in my own strength? You know what? We don't want to live like that. Oh, well, I'm going to do what I can till I die and go to heaven. No, God says, go into all the world and make disciples. He wants us to abide in him and bear much fruit. So how do we respond to the love of God that took Jesus to the cross? We live through him. And we bring his love to the world so that others can experience life. Love brings life. And John tells us to love because of God. 1 John 4.11 Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is a way to measure if our love is true love. Is the love that is flowing from us to others love that comes from God, or is it self-serving love? Years ago, a person got involved in our church family and really fast, serving mightily in all kinds of ways, and after about a year, they, this person expressed a concern. 
person felt like they were giving a lot, but not getting much back. They said that they were not satisfied with their return on investment. Now that sounds horribly selfish, doesn't it? But before we judge too harshly, perhaps we have to admit that maybe, just maybe, that that thought has crossed our minds at Donner too. See, that's the world's investment strategy, isn't it? Give so you can get more than you give. Jesus' love gives us a different investment strategy. The chorus from the song, I like this song, it's not a country song. It's by uh, the group for him, it's called The Message. This sums up a God-love type of investment strategy. When we love because God's love uh, for us. And it goes like this. To live a love that never fails. To love my neighbor as myself. And to give till there is nothing left to give. To live a faith that never dies. To be crucified with Christ. Until all that lives through me is the message. So how do we respond to God's love? We live through him. And we love because of him until all that lives through us is the message, the message of God's love. And, we, and, and as we live through God because of his love, we love God's way. In these verses written by John, he says, love one another two times. And when our love for one another resembles the love of God, our love brings life. Our love brings life. In 1985, my oldest brother began a Christmas tradition. He would, uh, every Christmas since 1985, he mails to uh, all his siblings and to my parents um, a ornament, very nice ornament from the White House Historical Society. Anybody ever seen those? Oh, they're amazing. History with them. It's not like a picture of the current president or anything. It's, it's, it's history, and it's beautiful and gold and three-dimensional. Anyway, so for 33 years, we know every Christmas we're going to get a package from my brother, and it's one of these ornaments. And this year, as we unpack the ornaments and put them on the tree, I was unpacking those boxes and handing them to the kids, and I just thought, this is so cool. For 33 years. My brother has been consistently showing his love in this, in this little way. It's a little bit of a picture of God's love. God's love is consistent. Every moment of every day, he is loving us. He never stops. Every moment of every day. And I knew I would get one of those uh, ornaments from my brother. I know I'm going to get him no, no matter where I live. No matter what I'm doing in life, no matter what I gave him last year, he's still going to send me an ornament. It's unconditional. And that's also a picture of God's love. See, God doesn't love you because you love him. He loves us because he wants to love us. And his love for us today is no less or no more than his love for us while he hung on the cross. 
So when we love God's way, we love consistently and unconditionally. And our love brings life. Our love brings life. A couple years ago, Betsy and I were on vacation somewhere, and and uh, we were in a store, a craft store or something, and I found this painting, and uh, well, it's I don't I don't know what you call it, it's it's this this artwork, and uh, it's awesome. It's been in my my office downstairs for a couple years, and and uh, it's time to reveal it to everyone. But uh, this is what it says. It says, "In this house, we do second chances, we do grace." We do real, we do mistakes, we do I'm sorry's, we do hugs, we do family, we do love. It's up there, same thing. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that an awesome description of, of you, of this church family, of God's love for us? As we do life together as a church family, our love brings life. Our love brings life. On a Thursday morning, about quarter to eight, I was heading to uh, a routine doctor's appointment, and I was at the inter- I pulled up to the intersection of Route 20, uh, Menor Avenue, and Heisley Chillicothe. You know that intersection, and man, it was a mess, right? Fire trucks, police cars. The ladder truck was up, and man, they were just pouring water into some building that was on fire, and and it looked to me like it was uh, the bank. So I, I took a picture, I texted the kids, it says, the bank is on fire. And one of the kids responded, is the money burning? <laughs> I don't know if the money's burning. But as it turned out, it, w- it wasn't the bank, it was the house behind the bank. It was burning. And the folks that lived there lost everything in a moment. Imagine eating breakfast, you hear a fire in your garage, and you're like, ah, fire, and you get out, and then there's nothing left of your home or your stuff. So I, I didn't know who lived there, and so I, I do my doctor's appointment thing, get to church, and already the ARC ministry leadership team has gone into action. See, because who lives there are, are uh, four men, uh, three of them are involved in the ARC, Stevie and Bill and Doug. And then the fourth person who lives there is Jared Heaslip, the son of the previous senior pastor who, who lives in Louisiana. Jared wasn't there. He was visiting his family in Louisiana. But the ARC leadership team had already kicked in, uh, mobilized, and uh, made a way for <coughs> resources to go to those guys so that, I mean, they had no clothes. I mean, they, had, they were wearing clothes, but they had no other clothes. And everything was gone. And so they kicked in and uh, they made it happen. So without any red tape, without any bureaucracy, those guys got uh, gift cards to go to Walmart to buy clothes and personal items right away so they didn't have to mess around with insurance and stuff. I thought, wow, that's awesome. And then at the same time, that that morning an email went out for to a, a family that's going through some medical stuff uh, needed some extra love and care, and and uh, within less than two hours, all the needs on the email were filled. And I remember just kind of sitting back away from my desk about lunchtime thinking, this church family is amazing, the way they love one another. It was a good morning. I, I said in the first service, probably shouldn't have, but I'll say it anyway, because I'm going to. Um, 
I said, if, if you were my children and I was the dad, which you're not my children and I'm not the dad. I mean, I'm a dad, but I'm not your dad. I'd be like, that was a proud papa moment. I was just like, wow. Wow. The Bible says don't call me father, but that's okay. I appreciate that. It was a proud, a proud moment because God is pleased with the way you love one another and care for one another. And, and any person who heard that guy on the radio would come here like, I, I don't even know what, what, what church is about, but I need somebody to care for me would experience that as well. And that's awesome. And we don't ever want to lose, lose that. So God's love brings life to us. And when we live through him and we love because of him and we love his way, our love brings life. Love brings life. Let's pray. So, Lord, as we roll into Christmas and a new year, we thank you for your love. The journey of love that you took from the manger to the cross, literally from the cradle to the grave, to show us how much you love us. And you are love, and love comes from you. We get to live through you, Lord. We get to love others the way you love us. And so, Lord, our prayer is that your love, as it flows to us, would flow through us so that others experience the life that we have in you. Help us this week, Lord. Give us courage to love others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to the podcast now, and for more info, including sermon outlines, visit our website at www.kurtlandchristian.org.